welcome to the NCTM podcast. We're talking to you in the beginning of July 2018. And we're going to be talking today about core maths, which is a new type of maths with new types of exams, qualifications, which has been on the scene for two or three years now. Um, and with me, I have Tom Rainbow, who's a math teacher at Ivy Bridge Community College in Devon, who also works with the local maths hub down there, Jurassic Maths Hub, and he is the level three lead for Jurassic Maths Hub. So welcome, Tom. Hello. What does that mean? Well, first of all, you're, you're a full-time teacher at Ivy Bridge, are you? No, I'm, I'm a part-time teacher at Ivy Bridge. Well, yeah, I, I work two and a half days a week at the school. Um, they employ me full time, but I do other things in those other two and a half days. And how long have you been a math teacher? Uh, I'm guessing on for 25 years, I think, something okay. like that. And this role you have with Jurassic Maths Hub, it's called Level 3 Lead. What does that broadly consist of? What are the responsibilities of a, a Level 3 Lead in a Maths Hub broadly? Ever-changing, I think. Um, like most things in education, and so when I started doing it, which was three years ago. Um, it felt quite a different beast to what it's become, mainly because there were more parties involved in Level 3 development at the time. So with the Core Math Support Programme and Core Math Leads on the scene, as well as the Further Math Support Programme and their area coordinators, um, there was more to coordinate and more to sort of t- more ends to tie together, whereas it's become a little bit more simplified in recent times, I think. Um, and so... Now I see the role primarily as overseeing the work groups, um, but we also have coordination meetings once a term. So uh, the, the, the work the groups, the, the, you just use that phrase, work groups, work groups. Those, are the, those are sort of mini projects which are run by the Maths Hub, yeah, the work groups, part of national projects. Yeah, they're, really, they're a really innovative approach to continuous professional development, I think. Um, and, and what they do is they give a sustained model almost like a a kind of lesson study type model um, but trying to do something a bit different to lesson study a little bit more of an open remit Um, but because you the idea is that you have some face-to-face sessions with some gap tasks in between it does mean that you go on a journey rather than just a one-stop shop which often happens with inset okay so we're going to talk about core maths uh, and I said this has been on the landscape for two or three years now. Um, and you, you've, you've taught it yourself? Yes, I've taught it right from the, the word go. The school was an early adopter. Um, okay. And I was a core master lead right at the inauguration. Uh, I can remember going and hearing Liz Trust talk about it at the, uh, the meeting we had in, in London um, way back in the summer of... I think it was 2014. Yeah, probably. So most people will, will, will not have heard about it. Uh, they, they will be familiar with GCSE maths, with A-level maths. So where does core maths fit in? Well, I, I hope most people have heard about it, but I, I fear you might be right, Steve, that you know, the, the word is getting out there, but it's, it's a gradual process. Um, and really, I think where, where I would like it to be is that I feel all students in the country should have... Uh, the ability to study core maths um, and, and therefore I think it's, it's something we should aim towards is that all schools should be offering it. After GCSE, so it fits in yes. after the GCSE year, after year 11, yeah? Correct, yes. 
and who's it aimed at? Well, it's aimed at anybody who wants to continue with their maths studies but isn't doing A-level or further maths. And, and, you know, why that might be is for a multitude of reasons. So it could be that the A-level maths is, um, you know, would be beyond the level of that student. Um, But core maths is demanding in its own way. And actually, we've looked at throwing core maths papers at A-level students and, and they've done really quite poorly if they haven't had any tuition and they haven't had the right sort of teaching, A-level students don't find it very easy to access. So it's not an easy option, it's a different option. Um, And I think any student who wants to continue uh, exploring maths or they recognise that the other subjects that they're doing have mathematical content that they want to understand better, they should be doing core maths um, uh, or or A-level. So what's what's at the essence of core maths that is different from what might be regarded as sort of standard normal maths. How is it different? It's hard to put your finger on it, but um, some, one of my colleagues down in Devon, she, she describes it very passionately as, uh, with bright eyes, uh, as saying that this is for the first time she's found something which has got authentic problems in it. Um, real life problems well yes I don't like to use the phrase real life because I see all matters existing as real life problems but I know what you mean fair enough yep Um, and and, and so authentic contextualisation and there's a feeling I think certainly a feeling I had when when functional maths was a thing that a lot of the contextualisation of functional maths felt quite contrived Um, and I felt as though it was being driven from the wrong end um, it was being driven from objectives rather than from a problem. And so core math seems to turn everything on its head and you, if in, to my mind, the, the most effective way of presenting it to a class or to a student... Which you have done for three years now, yeah? Uh, three and a half, four, mm-hmm. maybe? Yeah. Um, four, I think. Uh, is, to, um, is to find the problem, find the information, find the, the data, whatever it is, and start from there and then let that guide you where you go with the teaching of it. And it's a really different way of teaching to what most maths teachers are used to, I think. Both at GCSE and A-level, we tend to start with looking at an objective that we're trying to teach, and then possibly we might find some contextualization to go with that. Often not. Um, but with core maths, I think if you start with the task and then it spirals outwards like a big spider's web, and you're picking bits of maths that fit so that you understand that information better. So give us an example, Tom. I'm imagining you in a classroom. Yes. Um, a dozen to 20 year 12 students amble in for their core maths lesson with Mr Rainbow. Yes. How would you start it, and how would the lesson develop? Well, it would vary, and, you know, I, I wouldn't like to say that it's always the same. Give us some... Examples. Okay, uh, well, one thing we looked at was uh, we'd done some work on Spearman's rank um, already. Uh, Which is what? Correlation coefficient, the way of measuring correlation. Um, I, I got the students to look at Olympic Games data uh, and suggested that there might be something which correlates more strongly than population. So we had a discussion about that. They went away and found some data. There was too much data, so then we looked, oh, we better cut the data down in size. So then we, there was an opportunity to look at sampling. Um, and then they found quite innovative ways of sampling, stratified, and then within that, randomised. 
uh, stratified by continents. Uh, and then we looked at the students produced a report. Um, they had to produce a comparison of different types of uh, variable, so try and find something which is more correlated than population. So, um, you know, maybe not a good example to choose because we had already done the work on Spearman's rank, so it was in their minds, and, and, and often it would be a completely blank canvas. Uh, looking at uh, outliers, for example, is a good way of introducing standard deviation. So get some data. Well, that's a bit of an, an odd piece of data. Can we class it as an outlier? Let's see what ge uh, GeoGebra or Autograph thinks of that. Oh, they, they're saying it's an outlier. So how has it been determined? Let's find out how to find out what outliers are. That sort of approach. And what are you looking, during the course of a lesson, what are you looking for the students to, to demonstrate, to show you, to maybe reassure you that, yeah, this lesson is working for them in a core maths context? Uh, a genuine interest in, uh, in an investment in knowing more about what you're dealing with and a recognising that maths is the vehicle to that enlightenment. Um, it's a really interesting mindset that you're developing as a core maths teacher and, and I've never once been asked by a core maths student what's the point in doing this why are we learning this so that happens a lot in normal yeah, it, maths it, lessons it can do I think, I think as a maths teacher who's been teaching for 25 years you'd be lying if you said <laughs> you'd never been asked that question um, but you've never had it in the course no no and, and, and yet you're doing you know quite difficult algebra you're fitting exponentials to data and you're having to do rearranging of equations and all those other things that you know often you teach in isolation and, and the students will say I don't know why we're learning this when am I ever going to need to use this? But they're, no, they're, I mean, we had one student who, unfortunately, at the end of year 12, was going to have to leave the college. Um, and she wanted to try and find a way, even though she was going to this new college in Plymouth, which is a 15 minutes away bus ride, to try and come in for just, just for core maths lessons, because they didn't run it at a new college. So you know, that was quite a, uh, an indication of how, how valued it was. So at your school, you, you, you teach it across both years 12 and 13, do you? Yeah, it's a two-year course. With the exam taken at the end of year 13, yes. with all the other exams that the students have got at the end of year 13? Yes. And um, how many lessons a week? We've always had five lessons a fortnight until this current year, where we've cut down to four lessons a fortnight. And that's worked, has it? Um, five lessons a fortnight. Perfect. Yeah gives you plenty of scope to go off on tangents and explore things like you should, I think, mm. with the course. It's not really about getting through the content. I think you could probably get through the content in, in very little time indeed. What is the content? I mean... <laughs> well, it depends very much on the board. Yeah, because, um, okay, so there are three or four options, aren't there? Is that right? Well, if you include all of the different options within AQA, uh, AQA have three options. Yeah. OCR have two. Right. Edexcel has one. City and Guilds has one. Educast did offer a core maths qualification. I don't think they do anymore. Yeah, so that's seven yeah. or eight, isn't yes, it? Yes, yeah. And a, a quirky thing, correct me if I'm wrong, is the, the qualifications, that the options that they eventually take, they're not called core maths, are they? They're no. called a variety of different things. No. Which is not helpful for uh, sort of overall comprehension is it it's a bit confusing I it could be yeah I mean employers probably you know one minute somebody comes in with a, a mathematics in context qualification and the next and there's 
what's that? Oh, it's core maths. And then the next person walks in with mathematical studies. What's that? Oh, it's core maths. Hang on. So I, I think the message needs to go out to universities and to employers exactly what's going on. I think you know we've got to make sure. And I know that a lot of work's been done uh, in that respect, but it, there's a lot of people out there who need to know about this. Which board has your school been working with? Uh, we've worked with Ed, EdXL. And which one of EdXL's? No, there's only one. Oh, there's only one EdXL. Yeah. There's, yeah. There's, uh, which is part of the reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And how have your students done so far? You've had how many have you had gone through? Uh, to take exams at the end of the two we've years? Had, we've had uh, two waves. Two co cohorts. Yeah. So the third cohort have just done the exam. Right now, summer 2018, but we won't know until yeah. August. Yes, that's right. The first cohort, um, they did very well. Everybody passed. Um, and they, there were quite a few A's. Um, and interestingly, a couple of the A's were students that had come off a level at the end of their year 12, having not had a very good time doing A level. Transferred to core maths. Transferred to core yeah. maths and done the second year solely. We tried to we tried to be a little bit careful in the way that we taught both qualifications. So with A level and with core maths, we focused on stats in year 12, which meant that any transference could then be quickly got brought up to speed. Um, and, and that seemed to work really well and they just they just clicked with it and, and you know one of the students went from a U to an A um, a U in AS to an A in the core the grading is the same for A levels is it? yeah yeah. without the A star there's no A star yeah um, and what about numbers how many did you have in your classes? Uh, well, R we, roughly well the numbers at Ivybridge were have been very interesting actually. The first year we had nine students take the qualification, uh, take the exam. Um, we had more started, but you lose students along the way, unfortunately, um, often because of things nothing to do with core math. It's just, you know, they, they might transfer to a different college at the end of year 12 or they decide that they want to go and do an apprenticeship. Or, mm -hmm. um, so the second year we had, we had over 40 students start the course, um, and in the end, 27 took the uh, exam. That's a big big leap in anybody's book. From, from 9 to 27. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then this year we've had 21 students do the exam, but next year the numbers are much lower. And I'm concerned about that. Our school is advising students to do three A-levels. So whereas before they were all doing three A-levels and an AS, or pretty much all of them were, the new funding formula is, is actually inhibiting core maths. Um, and so I think schools need to think quite innovatively about the way that they course core maths. Uh, and I've come to the conclusion that the most successful way of doing that is through an enrichment option that all students will have to opt to do, um, which could be EPQ or it could be critical thinking, but it could be core maths. I, I think the fact that we had over 40 students two years ago start it, suggests to me that there is an interest. You know, students do want to continue with their maths, but the conditions have to be there to make it happen. The bigger picture here is, is historically, we have narrowed down curriculum options after GCSE, haven't we? So that uh, students generally do three or four A-levels mm. compared to other countries where they do eight or nine subjects post-16 and, yes. and in those other countries one of those eight or nine subjects is almost always some sort of maths. Mm. That's why looking 
looking at the figures, we, the UK and England specifically, appear to have a very low proportion of post-16 students who do maths against competitive countries. So that's those are the figures, and the, the, there is an aim there, and it sounds like you, 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 you buy into this aim of just enormously increasing the number of students after their GCSE year who do some sort of maths. Yeah, I'd like, I, you know, in, in an ideal world, they all would. Um, but I do think there's a danger if we, if we say core maths has to be a compulsory uh, subject that you will end up losing a lot of what makes core maths successful. You do not want students resenting being there. You won't get the same richness of discussion and exploration that I think the, the subject needs. So, you know, have an element of choice. Um, and, and, and I think there's a, a big market out there that's untapped. I think there's a lot of students that would take it. Yeah. Something we should also mention is recently the government have announced this advanced math premium, haven't they? Which is, yes. do you know the detail of that? It's every every extra student you get doing some sort of maths post-16, you, you get £600. Yes, based on your figures from uh, two years ago and last year. So your level three, the average of those two years, that's right. And so, you know, the, the incentive's there for schools, but the schools will have to come up with it ways of making it um, an attractive offer for students. There's no point saying, okay, well, we're, we're going to, we, we like the £600, we're going to try and get it, but not think then how are you going to get the students to do the course. Um, if you're just telling your, your, your students, do three A-levels, and by the way, we get £600 for every additional a, uh, level three mathematician, it's not going to incentivize the students. So I think they need their arms twisting a little bit. So if anybody listening wants to find a bit more about that, I think if you Google Advanced Mathematics Premium, yes, you'll find and all the details. There's an it. overview page on the FMSP website at the moment, which will soon become the AMSP website. Which brings me to uh, the, the, the second part of our interview, namely your, your national role. Um, you mentioned an organisation called the FMSP, Further Mathematics Support Programme, which is now... Um, disappearing from the landscape and uh, appearing on the landscape at the same time is an organisation called the Advanced Mathematics Support Programme, which is run by the same uh, umbrella organisation, the MEI. Uh, and the Advanced Mathematics Support Programme, correct me if I'm wrong, is, is doing pretty much the same, will do, pretty much the same as the Further Mathematics Support Programme, except in the area of core mass. That, that's a new responsibility of the AMSP. You're correct. nodding at me. Yes, And you, you have now got a national role for the AMSP in the area of core maths. I, yeah, I'm sharing the core maths coordination role with Catherine Van Salos. Salus. I'm not sure your pronunciation, Catherine. I apologise if I've got it wrong. Um, so, yeah, we're sharing a full-time role in coordinating the, the support and in professional development, really. And there's other people involved as well. Uh, Terry Dawson and Stella Dudzik, uh, they're also involved in producing uh, materials and, and helping deliver um, professional development. So we're talking in July 2018 and m much of your work is actually going to, well it actually started hasn't it, but most of it is going to be really taking off in the, the academic year starting September 2018, is yes, that right? Yes, that's right, yeah. I, I technically start on September the 1st. Yeah. So give us a flavour of what the AMSP is going to be doing uh, to support 
schools and colleges to help teachers professional development in the area of core maths. Right, there's a multitude of different things. Um, area coordinators are divided up into regions and within our regions we have to allocate um, training days, um, C- CPD days and there are 25 CPD days planned um, throughout the country organised by area coordinators that will have a core maths focus. Uh, and so there will be single day events uh, organised by area coordinators. There are also 18 single day conferences, so slightly bigger, bigger numbers, um, that are organised by us, the central team, uh, core maths team, um, and we're going to be delivering those, uh, and they're nationwide. We've already had three, um, London, Birmingham, and one other location which I can't remember, Mm -hmm. um, which have been full, completely full. Um, And there's one coming up in Exeter on Thursday of this week, which is almost full. And then there's five more coming up in the autumn. So those are the conferences aimed chiefly at people who maybe haven't done core maths yet? Uh, Primarily. I don't think it matters if you have taught core maths. Uh, You know, there's always more to learn and, and, and... things to think about so you know if you haven't if you have taught core maths already I don't think you should think they're not for you but there will be more coming along later on in the year that might be tailored in a slightly different way to suit you if you've if you've done a bit of teaching of core maths already Um, but obviously with only 18 locations maximum we probably will double some up but um, it may be that if you wait the second tranche and you might miss the boat in terms of where they're located so you may want to come along sooner rather than later. So other other, other parts of the jigsaw uh, in the professional development area? Teach training, yep. um, ITT, there's, there's obviously huge numbers of um, trainee teachers out there, uh, well maybe not enough but there's still a big number of them and so we're going to be talking to them about core maths. So if you're working in a a maths department who have got who's got a training teacher. They may be saying, "What what are you doing about core maths? You know, why aren't you running it?" Um, and I think it's a question that everybody should be asking themselves. Really, every maths department, why aren't we running it? Uh, we've also got live online professional development uh, planned. So that is for live online professional development. So I'm a teacher. I may be. Uh, I can't get to something physically, but I can sit myself at a computer sometime and, and take part in something online Correct. with other people around the country. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Um, how it how it will work, I'm not sure yet. Um, it's somewhere off in the development, but um, yes, it will be along the lines of the live online professional development that's in place uh, already as part of what the FMSP offers. Um, so you may have done live online professional development for your A level teaching. It will be of a similar sort of model. And so is that it? Well, no, because there's also the, the work groups. Right, OK, so so here we must make the point. This is all taking place. The AMSP is working alongside Maths Hubs across the country. Uh, and Maths Hubs run these things called work groups, which are a, a particular, you mentioned this at the beginning, a particular type of sustained professional development. So Maths Hubs will be doing work groups in the area of core maths at the same time as everything else you've just described. Is that right? Uh, yes, that's yeah. correct, yeah. It's going to be busy. <laughs> it is going to be busy. And I, I suppose what I'm getting round at is 
if somebody's listening to this conversation and is interested, then they could either approach the AMSP direct, see what they've got to offer, or at the same time approach their local maths hub. Correct. Uh, and in every area, there is also this person with the uh, job description, role description, level three lead, yeah. which you talked about at the beginning. And, and, and that's the person who will have the overview locally, isn't it, of everything that's yes. available. Yes. The, the AMSP are funding the uh, work groups this year at level three. Uh, there are not enough, there, there isn't funding for every hub to do every work group. So uh, in the southwest region, of which there are four hubs, there are two core mass work groups. So it may be that you will need to travel or it, there's some sort of webinar type approach. Yeah. Um, you may need to think quite innovatively. If you are in a hub which isn't offering that particular work group, there should be a neighboring hub that is, but it might require quite a lot of travel. Um, but I would really urge you to get involved. The work group that we did on core maths this year in, in the Jurassic Hub, I felt was really successful. Which is down in, uh, based in Lyme Regis in the, in the southwest, yeah? Yes. Did it happen in Devon or? It did actually, yeah, yeah. it happened in South Devon. It was, yeah. it was based in Newton Abbott. So why was it successful? Just briefly tell us, what did that consist of? Well, it was, it was through adversity really. Um, <laughs> we, Often we, happens. Yeah, yeah, it was, it, we were really lucky. Uh, I, well, the, the, the guy that I originally intended to be lead felt that he, he didn't have the capacity to do it. So um, he, he rescinded the role some way into the year. So it was all a bit of a rush then. I found somebody else who was keen to do it, but only alongside myself. Uh, and so the two of us running it together really helped. We were able to develop our ideas collaboratively. How many teachers took part? Uh, we had eight teachers from seven schools. Um, and we sold it as um, core masters across cross-curricular innovation. Um, and so it's quite a specific focus rather than, uh, I think a lot of work groups from what I can gather this year on Core Mass have tried to do a, a very broad-based approach, you know, the whole, the whole shebang. What is Core Maths? Who's offering it? You know, all, all the yeah. information and, and how do you go about teaching it and how do you assess it and, and all of this and how do you use the pre-release materials and so on. Uh, we thought we'd focus right onto quite a small element, which is looking at other A-level subjects and where the maths appears in their subjects and how core maths fits with that. Uh, how do they go about teaching the maths? Can we as core mathematicians use some of those ideas in our teaching, some of the contexts? Uh, and we found it fascinating. Um, and, and everybody was learning together, which is exactly what I see a, call, a work group as being. Um, Everybody who took part in this work group were already core maths teachers. And, and I don't know how successful it would have been if people were new to teaching core maths. They've probably got a different set of criteria of what they would want. Playing devil's advocate, if they mm. were already core maths teachers, what was the point? Uh, but was, was the point that, that they just, they're now more enthusiastic, they're, they're better at it, and they're going to perhaps uh, influence other teachers in, in their areas so that core maths grows? Well, it's, it's interesting, the, the outcomes, not always what you'd expect. So quite a lot of uh, other departments are now asking the core maths teachers to, to have a greater input in their planning or even the delivery of some of their ideas. Um, what I took from it was that actually there's a huge wealth of really interesting ideas that are being used in other subjects that I can utilise in my core maths teaching. 
I, I paired up with the business studies and economics department in my school and I've been using graphs and and data from their exam materials in my teaching of core maths and it's been really interesting because it's because it's real you know it's, it's authentic um, the students buy into it they see ah okay yeah, I can see that it's about mobile phones interesting to see where the business studies exam takes it as well as opposed to where you would expect a core maths exam to take the, the, the same piece of information. And also, quite interestingly, often a similar approach to learning as core maths, much more similar than A-level maths. So here's some source material. Let's have a look at it and see whether we can make sense of it, which I don't think happens a huge amount in A-level. Overall, the experience sounds like it, it, it's been good, good for math teachers to, to be exposed to other departments well the, the feedback's been very positive yeah yeah um and you know they, they they said that they would like to continue with doing this sort of thing next year so yeah it's been okay. good so final question um are you of of a positive enthusiastic mindset you must be i presume with this with this role that you've got because looking at the arithmetic and and the, the target audience of potential post-16 students who could do core math it's, it's two to three hundred thousand isn't it mm. are you enthusiastic of, of, of moving in that direction well, that I'm realistic I suppose yeah. I mean there's there are so many hurdles in place and and you know not least that we need math teachers yeah um, and I think core maths requires a certain skill uh, I think it's one of the hardest courses to teach if not the hardest course to teach effectively you need to go in with quite a lot of confidence and quite an open remit and be prepared to be reactive in your teaching um, I think to get the best best outcomes I think that that, that approach is necessary and uh, and so you know where are those teachers going to come from uh, and so that's part of the challenge but it shouldn't be inhibitive uh, I think you know it is really exciting um, I feel it's a qualification that's here to stay and um, I'm really hopeful that five years from now we can get the numbers way up into the tens of thousands. Great, well I'll talk to you again in maybe a year's time okay. to see how you've done in your first year but maybe also after that. So, <laughs> if I'm still around. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So um, Tom Rabo, thanks very much for talking to Pleasure. us on the NCTM podcast. Uh, if you've enjoyed this podcast you can find, you can listen to all our other podcasts which range from very early years primary maths right up to A-level maths. You can find us on the NCTM website or on your usual podcast provider. And if you subscribe, of course, you'll get notifications for when there is a new one. We aim to have uh, about two podcasts every half term. So thanks very much for listening and uh, we'll see you again in the next NCTM podcast.